Oh, hello. Welcome back. You're always surprised by that. I know. I was like, yeah. what? Pay attention, what Wayne. I know. I'm just sitting here minding my own business and they turn the cameras on. <laughs> uh, I'm Wayne Hoffman, host of the Hoftime Report, and we have a very special guest, the Chief Diversity <laughs> Officer of Idaho Freedom <laughs> Foundation, our very own Brandon oh, Kirstmeyer. I hate you. I'm sorry. So much. I quit. <laughs> Dustin Hurst. I am so thankful we're done with that election because you got tired of people. Oh Why is every that? It's a single really day? Weird thing. Well, he's he's like, uh, I mean, he's good looking ginger, and I'm like a not good looking brunette guy. Like, how do you get those two confused? I, like, I I even played football this year, right? And I had a couple guys on my team. They're like, Hey, man, we see your your signs everywhere around the state. Like, <laughs> what are you running for? I'm like, I'm not running for anything. Like, it's very confusing. Oh gosh, every Names are day. Hard. Names are hard. And we get we get emails at IFS saying, you know, either hate mail or love mail, saying, you know, we hate your guts, Brandon Durst. You're going to ruin our education right. system. We're like, okay, or you know, hey, we love you. It's, it's the strangest. Thing. It is a very so, strange situation. But it, you're yeah. on today because we're going to talk about the election results because it's yes. really interesting and. You know, uh, people have written a lot of interesting things about it in the newspaper. And, and lots of it has been wrong. Yeah. I mean, the, the one that I find really interesting is whenever I it, – it's funny how before the election, the news media was careful to describe the primary, the Republican primary, as a fight between conservatives and ultra-right conservatives. <laughs> and then after the election, suddenly it's a fight between – moderate conservatives which i i don't even know what that is yeah. but it's been said several <laughs> times in different publications moderate conservatives yeah. and these other folks who are ultra conservatives but really what it comes down to is we had a lot of elections um that changed oh yeah the course of the the political direction of the state and it's kind of hard to see when you look just at the statewide races yep. Yeah, I was uh, I was actually uh, I was doing Uber the other night and uh, I picked up one of our donors, weirdly enough. And oh. she was she was depressed. I, I won't say who she knows who she is. She's a great lady. Uh, she was going down for tacos. Lucky, lucky gal. But uh, she's was like, oh, man, Janice lost. Priscilla lost. Dorothy lost. I am so dispirited. I was like, actually, let's let's focus on what we actually gained, which was quite a lot. Um, and, and you know that. Um, the, the media was so eager to paint this as the IFF election, like as a, as a verdict on IFF stance in, in Idaho and stuff. And, and quite frankly, we came out on top, regardless of what Jim Jones thinks, regardless of what uh, take back Idaho thinks we came out on top and, and um, sorry, we'll, we'll, we'll explain why yeah, in just a little well, bit. Let's start with the statewide wide races yep. because, okay, what, where we started with in 2018, was no conservatives in statewide elective office. Yep. None. Zero. Zilch. No one was calling Butch Otter, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no. uh, Brad Little, uh, Benny Sursa. Oh, those were bad days. Those, yeah, were, those dark. were dark. We didn't know it, but those were really yeah. dark and, days. And some might argue Lawrence Denny, but I don't even know if you look at the way Lawrence has run the Secretary of State's <laughs> office that it's been run you know, in any particular way, shape, or right. form. Any of the people go, well, the Secretary of State's always supposed to be nonpartisan, whatever. It's, yeah. it's, it's partisan, and there's a, another part of it, which is how you administer the sunshine laws and how sure. you administer your role on the land board. And so it was really hard to look at that. And, you know, this is a really conservative-leaning office. Okay, right. so yeah, you yeah. had Janice McGeehan won in 2018, yep. and that was pretty much it. So Janice lost. And then the one statewide office you gained in the 2022 election was Raul Labrador. That's huge. That's that is a big office, and, and um, uh, you know it's it's sad that uh, 
I don't know. I'd love to see Governor Labrador, but but that's that's a huge win. Lawrence Wasden was in there for 20 years. Everybody was really unhappy with how he was administering well, the he office. He just called balls and strikes, don't you know? <laughs> Which really mean sure. Uh -huh. He said that all the time. Yeah, that was really that was the thing. Yeah, yeah. He, he I'm I'm curious. You know Raul pretty well. What do you think is going to change about his office and how that that office interacts with state government and the legislature specifically? Well, I, I mean, I take him at his word because when I was going around at Lincoln Day events and I went to some of his fundraisers, and the message was very consistent that there are certain things about the way the office was running that was not in keeping with what the citizens of Idaho need. Um, they view themselves, the, the current attorney general's office and the deputy AG, AGs, they view themselves as the lawyers for the state of Idaho. Right. And really it's lawyers for what the constitution and what the, the citizens should expect from a constitutionally derived office. So right. in other words, um, yeah, you do take on uh, those fights against the Biden administration. You do take on those fights where, where uh, you know, it's the government isn't always right. You know, right. you have to defend those principles of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Those things that are enshrined, those God-given rights that are supposed to be protected by the Constitution. If an agency says that that's not true, you know that those rights don't matter. Then somebody has to be able to say, "Listen, this is not this is not yeah. how this operates." Well, and I think the the best example of that was was during the pandemic and the lockdowns and everything. Lawrence Watson did everything he could to justify Brad Little's unconstitutional overreaches, being able to push the elections back, being able to shut down churches, being able to shut down businesses. Uh, there was, you heard nothing, either you heard nothing from Watson or you heard complete justification for his actions. And, and uh, I think that angered a lot of people. The a lot of people. There is the, the citizenry of the state, yeah. not the governor's. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think that was a big missed opportunity, but I mean, that just shows who. Lawrence Wasden was, and that's why his career is over now. I, I also think another really big part of it is the opinions that the attorney general offers to the <laughs> legislature. And yeah. in many respects, those opinions validate government as all seeing, all knowing, all reaching. Yeah. And Supreme Court precedents, even if the, we know the Supreme Court precedents are wrong, um, are 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 100 accurate. We need to follow those. So you couldn't do anything <laughs> on abortion. You couldn't do anything on transgender stuff. You right. couldn't rein in the size and scope of government because the government had all these abilities that are justified by the attorney general's reasons. Right. And then what was really interesting is that the attorney general's opinions would then be used as fodder for for protecting. Of the other side, even right. if the law became, you know, was was passed by the legislature signed by the governor. Well, it'd be it'd be a, a PR tool for Democrats. How many times have we heard, Every single time. you know, Melissa Wintrow <laughs> requests a, an AG's opinion on some controversial bill, and then Betsy Russell parrots it out, and it's the propaganda machine over and over. The the question I have is, you know, there are some attorneys in that office who have been there for a long time. Will there be a lot of turnover? You mean the guy whose name rhymes with Ryan Shane? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I, I, I mean, I, I was look. If you're Brian Kane, why would you want to work in the Attorney General's yeah. office? Because the opinions that he offered, off, authored, and then was given the stamp of approval from the Attorney General himself, Lawrence Wasden, were extremely left of center. Yeah, and I can't imagine. You know, we'll see. You know, <laughs> yes, we will. Attorney General Labrador choosing to keep some of those voices in place. They came with a very, very distinct left of center opinion. 
Yeah. And that's not calling balls and strikes. That's having a very uh, particular disposition when it yeah. came to the role of government. Putting finger on the scale every single time. And, and like I said, it was the propaganda machine. You'd get Brian Kane and it every, like clockwork, like clockwork. Every We've time seen we it always dozens, do. dozens of times a year almost. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the the Dorothy Moon race and and uh, for Secretary of State? That one was really disappointing to me, More, mostly because I love Dorothy and she's a fireball and, and yeah. a true conservative and somebody that, I mean, I admire her a that, lot. That was, and you know, I've known Dorothy for, um, Oh gosh, uh, twenty-seven, almost thirty years, and you know we, we met when I was two, and um, <laughs> oh, oh really? Was two, yeah, it was, was that common core math coming back? Was, okay, no, well you know, uh, but she she has always been a warrior for freedom. I, I've always one of the first awards that Freedom Foundation ever gave out was to Dorothy and Dor for right uh, fighting for liberty since before the Tea Party was even to thing. Right, and uh, yeah, that was disappointing. You know, I suspect that. Um, you know, Dorothy had a really great ground game, but ultimately she got in late and that maybe handicapped her a little bit. And then you saw the Phil McRain machine really plow um, oh, through there at the end. And, and you can tell that the funding at the from Dorothy's side was a bit more exhausted. Right. So they were able to, to do that. And then, of course, you had uh, Dor uh, Dorothy, uh, uh, Mary Susan. Mary Susan was in there, yep. As a spoiler, which certainly had an impact on the outcome. Now, was... was I've seen this conversation happening on Facebook all day because people are really salty about this race, particularly was who was the spo spoiler in that race? Was it Mary? Because she, I mean, she was first, was she first in or second in? She was, so let me, well, she was before, she was before what, Dorothy. Was the, yeah. Well, Chad, how it was, oh, yeah. it was Chad, how, right. Uh, Phil McRain and Mary Susan. Right. And everyone kind of understood that Mary wasn't exactly the conservative candidate. <laughs> no and kidding. So, and so there were folks that were kind of grabbed. I had people who would come up to me and say, like, oh, Chad Hawk is he's the conservative. And here's why his lineage goes back to his family's involvement in the Idaho Family Forum back in the day. And you're like, okay, that's interesting. Sure. So I talked to him and I found out found it was really interesting that there wasn't a lot of conservatism in what he was telling me. It was like, right. oh, you know, the federal government's told us to, you know, invoke the uh, Help America Vote Act because we get all this money from them. And if we don't do this, that, and the other thing, right. then it's going to federalize our elections. And I'm kind of like, oh, you know, maybe you should tell the federal government to pound sand. <laughs> we run our own elections here in Idaho. Right. So I was a little skeptical about where he was going to land. And then... I don't remember whether Dorothy got in and Chad got out or Chad got out and Dorothy got in. If I remember correctly, all four were in at one point and then just shortly after Chad, Chad got, got out. out. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, my view, I mean, I wish that Dorothy had got in sooner. Yes, absolutely. And, and ultimately, I mean, I considered, you know, Mary to be not ever the conservative candidate. Exactly. You know, yeah. As indicated by her. Freedom indexes, I mean, she can claim otherwise. I guess now she's spouting <laughs> off to the media. About, oh, it's yeah, shocker. There's an article today that oh, came Oh, good. Out. Great. Fantastic. Yep. yep. But I know, I think I think Mary was the spoiler. Right. In there. And my understanding was, maybe, maybe you'd heard this too, that when Kootenai County, her home county, refused to endorse her, <laughs> that the plan was supposed to be for her to get out. Right. Because there was still enough time for her to withdraw, and she didn't. Honestly, I, I wonder, I, I don't know, there's no evidence here, so this is just me pontificating. I wonder if she just stayed in just to screw us, quite frankly, because she hates us, and she knows that Dorothy is, is a solid conservative like we are, and 
Um, but uh, I, I, do I don't think, know. But she became a yeah. very bitter, vindictive person. And I, I don't know now. Now that the race is over, because I couldn't at the Freedom Foundation, we're somewhat limited on what we're allowed to say about <laughs> races. Now that but it's before not, the races, after yeah, the after races, races say whatever. Because, let's go. But, but you know, <laughs> but it was really interesting because she had said to Fred. Um, this was back in February or something. You guys are awful and dishonest and terrible, and you should be banned from lobbying in the Capitol. Oh, I remember that. And so I happened to see her at a Lincoln Day. I think it was it was Idaho County. Allie was there. Right. And we ended up, um, uh, Mary and I got in line together at the chow line, which was, you know. Oh, boy. Which was kind of awkward, but, you know, I wasn't going to give up my line, <laughs> my space in line. <laughs> I wanted to go get food. And um, and I said, Is this true that that you told Fred that we should be banned from lobbying? That our Freedom Foundation should be banned from lobbying at the Capitol. And she said, Yes, and I stand by that. Wow. And I said, Well, that's good to know because you're running for Secretary of State, and of all the people in the Capitol, the Secretary of State is the person who has oversight over the lobbying that takes place in the right. Capitol. I don't know if there's a way you can ban us from lobbying, but is that something you're going to pursue as Secretary of State? And I answered that sincerely. Right. And she got very upset with me and very huffy. And she says, no, I'm not going to go do that. I'm just wondering because you could do it. when I mean, a you government official it, yeah. says, I'm going to see to it that X, Y, and Z happens and they have oversight over <laughs> those people, you can it's ask that question. Yeah. I think it's a legitimate thing to ask. Right. But I had never heard somebody who was willing to go out like that and say it. She just became very cold and vindictive, yeah. which is too bad. Yeah, it was that that was a that was an unfortunate race, and uh, I'd love to see Dorothy but, try again. But, but wouldn't you say though, when you look at the statewide races from, and you always have to compare to where you were four years ago to where you are today, that even on the statewide, although it may not have turned out exactly the way you'd hoped, that you're still better off than you were four years ago. Yes, absolutely. I mean, why do you then, then explain why? Because it, it means that the, despite all of the money, I mean, oh gosh, we'll get into this more with legislative races, but um, despite all the money that's being spent to bamboozle voters, voters can see through it. And that's largely, I, I think, thanks to the work that we've done in, in partnership with some of our allied lawmakers and, and uh, organizations, the conservative movement is growing here in Idaho and people are, are largely starting to wake up. Does it take time? Yes. Is this election what we wanted? Absolutely not. But goodness gracious, we had people, you know, but you've, you've just traded. absolutely changing the way things are going in the state. But you, you, you've traded a conservative lieutenant governor who has basically no power. A right. lieutenant governor, you know, doesn't doesn't have anything. Does, does, he gets to bang a gavel every day. Resides cool. over the Senate, you know, during yeah. the session. Woo. Make make sure that uh, the um, <laughs> proper page has been identified to give the pledge of allegiance <laughs> and maintain order in the body, and occasionally, you know, cast a tie-breaking vote. Right. But, but it doesn't happen. It's a thirty-five member chamber, and right. you have to actually have somebody be absent <laughs> and have a seventeen-seventeen tie in order to have the ability to I think break it. Janice did that what twice maybe in once the last or twice four years. yeah yep. so it's not that not that yeah uh, so it's not common. not it's not a huge thing yeah. okay you traded a lieutenant governor for an attorney general now assuming that the general election goes the way you suspect in which case yeah. you know who knows yeah but but ultimately for the Republican primary you ended up with a much more conservative attorney general absolutely um and and absolutely. that ain't so bad no it's not and um you know I'm just playing the long game too 
everyone, <laughs> the, the latest election is always the most important one, but the next one in 2026 with this, um, with what's coming up, I mean, Raul could run for governor. We could see Governor Fulcher. Who knows? I mean, so there's always something there's to look forward to. There's now a bench of conservatives, there is a good bench. never had yeah, before. And it's a significant one. Yeah. But now I want to ask you oh boy. about the superintendent of public instruction. Oh, gosh. For two, reasons. For two reasons. For two reasons. For two reasons. Because your your doppelganger apparently <laughs> is, is Brandon Durst, otherwise known as Dustin Hurst. Yep. But also because your brother ran yep. Debbie Critchfield's campaign. So you have, oh, you know, familial. I had, split, I had split loyalties on that one because um, I, I, Debbie Critchfield seems like a nice lady, super nice lady, very personable. She seems knowledgeable, but um, she's been an insider. And this was this was an election about um, uh, it was about a lot of things. But you had two insiders running against an outsider and Brandon Durst. And, um, you know, we hear that there's going to be school choice, what that actually means from Debbie Critchfield. I don't know. Does she have the, the guts to take on the system? Does she want to take on the system? I don't think so. And so that night, yeah, my brother was running that race and I was, I was split because I didn't want to see her win, but I also wanted to see my brother prevail. So it was, it was a tough night, but, but now, but let me ask you this. This is the, this is a very interesting oh question because I don't want to just, just, be oh, just no. uh, uh, everybody all agrees on everything. I want to get some very interesting insights. Okay, yeah. Are you better off than you were before with Debbie versus um, Sherry Ibarra? Oh, gosh, Wayne. Oh, gosh. Um, <sighs> that's a good question. Isn't it interesting? That's a really good question. I think, I think you might actually be worse off because Ibarra was not a great communicator. She was not as slick as she thought she was. Um, and she's not as slick and as, as um, uh, she's not a good operator like, like Debbie is. I think Debbie could be a little bit sneakier with some of the SEL CRT stuff and she's a good communicator and she'll try to pass it off. And I think you might actually be worse off. Mm. And, and I don't think that either one of them have any sort of plan to actually improve government education. Not that it can be improved, but I don't know that there's any plan in place to actually get kids competent and ready for college or trade school or uh, enact school choice. What do you think? I mean, your observations are perfectly valid because I, I wouldn't say sneaky, but she, she's plugged into the establishment. That might be the better she's word. Got, yeah. She's got a, a direct line. You know, she yeah. was working very, very closely with the little administration and trying to get that pre-kindergarten grant, yep. the one for, for, from the uh, Idaho Association for the Education of Young Children, right. um, through the finish line. She failed, right? but she was working on that in her role at the State Board of Education. So there's got to be a tight connection between her and the governor's office that, and that probably is not useful to conservatives, <laughs> yes. maybe useful to the, and, and at the same time, you know, I wonder if she's not a little bit more open to the idea of education choice than maybe Sherry was. Right. Sherry always said she's a big education choice fan. And then she and her department showed up to fight the education savings account right. and the house education committee. Would Debbie do that? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, the, the one thing that gave me pause with both of them and, and everyone was like, Oh, well, Debbie's this, Debbie's the savior. Debbie's great. It's like, she also voted to hire Marlene Trump to run BSU. There Don't that, forget that. that. Both true. of them did. That's but true. but and she you, says, well, I didn't hire Marlene to work on social justice issues. Okay. 
Whatever. You knew what she was. It, we have an old saying in the Mormon church. You knew what I was when you picked me up. Like it, it's not, oh. yeah, it's, it's a movie about sin and Satan anyway. That's neither here nor there, but it's not like you, I mean, you look at her resume and you look at what she's done. You knew what she was and you knew what, I mean, you can't obviously foretell the future, but you kind of can guess what somebody's going to do. And I, I really want to have Debbie come on the podcast. And I, I asked her, I sent her a text message. because I know that our team had been kind of buzzing her and right. asking her to come on. I So I didn't hear anything. So I personally sent her a text message and I said, Hey, why don't you come on? I won't tell you what she said because I don't want to breach confidentiality. Sure. But, um, I do think that it would be interesting to have her come on and answer some of these questions oh, yeah. because ultimately she does have a general election. And that's where in the superintendent's race, the Democrats have tended to perform yes. better. Yep. Well, although it's been 20 years, I guess, since Marilyn Howard. Right. Um, but, you know, there were some pretty close contests. when Barr didn't win by that much, did no. she? No, she was no. not that. It was and, not and, like a landslide. Yeah, And so it's possible that still is a competitive contest. I can't right. remember the, the Democrat that's running. But, um, you know, there, she's going to it's going to be interesting to hear her talk about these issues in light of a general election contest yeah. where she's trying to attract a broader audience of Republicans and also fend off Democrat oppositions. But I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if she's, if, if she were to be the winner, if she would change yeah. the direction of that office. Well, even, I, even I in the debates, you know, everyone was crowing about governor little not debating and Priscilla and like, there's, there's value to some debates, but like their debate didn't actually tell us anything about any no, of them. There I, was nothing no, there. And, and I would, I would at least say this. Um, although we know that she did not push back against the critical race theory, this, the, um, uh, social emotional learning, the social justice stuff that was happening on the college and university campuses of which she had oversight. Right. The one thing that I heard from her that gave me at least some hope was this understanding that Sherry Abar was spending an awful lot of time touting education statistics, rankings right. nationally and changes in scores on standardized tests in Idaho right. that really didn't amount to a hill of beans. <laughs> it's like, we're, we're uh, um, one of the top uh, schools. We're number 17. You go, how does that make us the top? I, I don't know. I don't understand <laughs> that. You know, we did really well in this measurement or that measurement according to education week. And, right. Okay. That's not really a great arbiter of, the actual results either or my, my favorite was when was, uh, and you'd see this press release year after year it's like two-thirds of our kids can read at grade level or whatever it's like do you hear what you just said yeah, there yeah there there's a third that can't you're failing a third that's thousands of kids like don't forget that you know, they go well you know well 51 percent you know we're, we're past the standardized tests <laughs> yeah. versus 50.5 percent before so it's an increase so you're saying half the kids are failing that's not no one would would say that was a good thing and sherry just had an amazing way of spinning this stuff oh, yeah. and the media never really held her accountable so but when, when i first met debbie which i haven't known her very long honestly uh met her at a meeting uh with some other people i won't say who um this is a few years ago sure. and um she was indicating some displeasure with this tack that the state mm. board, the state department of education was taken to where everything's glorious right look at these lousy results let me make them smell like roses mm. and that really is a positive that she understood that's embellishment 
of test results was not helpful to right. parents. Well, and my question for you, Wayne, you've been watching this, and especially as, um, and th this might be the, the final judgment on Yabara, name one thing that Sherry Yabara actually achieved in her eight years. Can you name anything that she actually did? Uh, I'm going to try to be generous. Let me see. I've got a. I mean, they have the fruit and vegetable program. I mean, <laughs> or yeah. I mean, um, she formed that student advisory council. Oh, I Is hate that student. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I have never say, seen anybody go, you know, I can't wait to elect this candidate because as soon as they do, I hope they impanel a group of eight, eight year olds to help this a yeah. grown adult that we elected make decisions about the public education. I hate that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I really do. Absolutely. I hate it when the superintendent does it, when the mayor does it. So I'm going to have this youth panel. They're going to help me make decisions. Yep. Oh, cool. We have a youth panel on climate action. Great. I, I, I would not ask a 10 year old to do anything. <laughs> you know, these are the same kids that, that they're, anyway, I was going to make it. No, I can't think of a single thing. And that, I, that, I think that's that's the biggest thing is there's nothing I can think of that she's actually accomplished other than spending more money on a system that has not produced results that are that are um, equal with the extra spending that we've seen. So, I mean, hopefully it's better, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. Now let's get to the good stuff. All right, the good stuff. The good stuff. The good stuff. Do you want to do House or Senate first? Let's do House. Okay. So we'll the save house. the best for last. Oh, so if you're, yeah. if you're watching and you oh, go, yeah. oh, my gosh, this is nothing I've heard so far is going to make me happy. Stay tuned. Wait because, a second. Yeah, yeah we, we're, we're we got coming. a big one. We're we coming. Big one. Okay. So the House wasn't exactly the picture that we wanted it to be. We lost some really good people, some really good conservatives. Ron Nate. Um, I cannot for the life of me, I do not understand how he lost by 36 votes. The special interest spent probably, I haven't done the math, but it had to be at least $150,000 against him in one county. It's unbelievable. We were trying to buy radio ads uh, for IFA one day, um, and they were like $1,000 a spot. Or that, that was TV, but they were like triple or quadruple the prices. It was unbelievable how much of a battleground that was. Yeah. And he lost by 36. Now, Britt Rabel is going to have a heck of a time um because she's i mean she doesn't have a mandate and uh she's on the hot seat and that yeah, that that typically mean, goes back and forth but. i i think you know the left the establishment wanted to make an example out of the top freedom foundation freedom yes. index people um that's rod nate carrie hanks um and chad chad christensen and um and they did they poured money into those races what bothers me about that whole thing and this is this is good and bad actually it's it's good that um the races were so close yep bad that you know our people lost sure but what i've learned about politics is a lie will only carry you so far um if you lie about a person's record if you make stuff up in order to win yeah there's not a lot of air in those sails to keep you floating along the river mm -hmm. or the lake or whatever. My metaphor is getting a little wonky there. <laughs> it's okay, but, we're all tired. But, but the point is that it's really, really difficult. Yep. If you if your candidate wins based on a lie, the good news for you, I guess, is that your candidate won. But the bad news is it's their win is built on nothing. Yeah very cheap so you know ultimately and that's what happened before it happened uh two years ago when um you know we've now had this back and forth where um oh my uh, gosh was, ron was beaten by brit ron then beat brit 
and now Brit has beat Ron, yeah. and this could go on forever. forever. But I think ultimately people are getting smarter about these elections. They're doing more research. They're figuring this stuff out. Right. And you can make up a story to to sell yourself to constituents, but if that's not what your constituents want, they're going to figure it out eventually. I think the most disappointing thing about this particular contest, and we saw this in a lot of other contests, the, the lieutenant governor's race, but but this one in particular, this was the one where you had two people who had been on JFAC, Britt served previously on JFAC, and Ron um, was on JFAC, still is, I mean, technically. Um, and they cast, because he voted for limited government, which is what conservatives say they want, he was cast as the anti-education candidate, the anti-police, that one bugged me, was anti-police uh, law enforcement yeah. be, because he voted against a bloated ISP budget, as if to say that if if law enforcement want it, that we should give them everything they want. I, I That was really disappointing because I think that, first of all, our public policy debates need to be way more nuanced than that, but it's elections, I get it. Um but it, it just it was so disingenuous to to lie about somebody's record like that and to cast him as basically, you know, the next AOC of Idaho when Ron Nate is the farthest thing from AOC. She doesn't understand economics at all. So, um, you know, Britt's going to be a big spender. She'll be back on JPEG, I'm sure, because there's a talent void I, I hear uh, on that committee. But that was a really disappointing race for me be, just because of, uh, you know, if we want if we want limited government, we have to cast those hard votes. And that's what Ron did. Yeah. And, and, you know, I saw some ads and actually I was going to record a video, but I, uh, addressing this and I just didn't get to it, but, um, which is too bad. Cause now I think to myself, I wonder if I'd recorded that video, if it would have made a difference, but the message basically was in response to this idea that, um, Ron Nate votes against Madison County's interests. Right. That was the argument. When you click on, I don't think Britt paid for those ads. It was the Idaho Prosperity Fund. Which well, is that was the that was the theme of her entire campaign. When Ron yeah. votes, when Ron votes, oh my gosh, when Ron votes, they, yeah, when Ron votes, uh, Madison loses. Right, that was it from yeah. from Ayaki and and from Britt's campaign. But you know, ultimately, it's not about that. It's, it's as you said. If you believe that government should be limited, if you believe that you shouldn't be voting to get stuff from the government. Then you have to look beyond just the interests of the residents of King of, of Madison County. Absolutely. And uh, the way that was framed with, and I really bothered me too, was Madison County doesn't benefit from Ron Nate voting in favor of the state police budget. Absolutely. What was going to happen was there was going to be, and now there is there are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 13 new, ISP officers patrolling the Capitol, not patrolling the streets oh, gosh, of, yeah. of Madison County, yep. not, you know, making sure they get the drunk drivers, not making sure they're quick to respond to accidents on the freeway, walking around just an walking empty Capitol, walking around empty Capitol. Yep. That, that's what they spent the money on. And yep. most conservatives would look at that and go, well, that's kind of crazy. We shouldn't yep. support that. Um, but certain interest groups use that to beat them about the head and shoulders. Yep, absolutely. So the House uh, overall, I mean, we could go into a number of races, but uh, the House overall, I think, is going to be, uh, we're going to lose out on a few conservative uh, yes. votes. And, and it's but really, there, there's, 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 you're basically replacing the people that got lost with new people yeah. who won. And yeah. most people, now here's Joe the, Alfieri, Elaine Price. Here's the dirty little secret that no one knows. And whenever I say this, you don't, you don't know how conservative the House of Representatives is going to remain. 
I met a guy, and he's by the way, he still he still has a um, a um, a Democrat competitor in the fall, but it's such a conservative district that it's right. it's not it's it's like a Republican running in, in District 19. Probably not going to pay off in the end. It's right. not not a good place for Democrats. Uh, his name is Dale Hawkins. Oh yes. Oh yes. And he hasn't cast a single vote, but um, I love this guy. And I, 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 the things that he says, I've seen him speak at, at a couple of Lincoln Day events now, and he doesn't care about the liberal news media and what they have to say about him. Oh, sweet. Uh, he just says it like it is, and he's totally politically incorrect, and he's just a, a, just a nice guy. Right. And I really like him. And, you know, that, that makes up – there's a Ron Nate right there. Yeah. Um, you know, so him, Elaine Price, uh, Joe, Joe Alfieri. Alfieri. Who was the other one? I'm uh, forgetting. We got Tina Lambert. Tina Lambert. Um, and there are a couple others that are, yeah. that are there. It's it's basically we might be down a vote or two, but it's. I don't even know that we're down a vote or two. I think it might have might might be a walk. And and to your point about replacement, whether we get Jason Monks as speaker, which apparently is a thing that I didn't think was possible, or Mike Moyle, both of them are a titch more conservative than Scott Bedke. And that that's still, I, I, I would argue significantly more. Yeah. yeah you probably are. And that's, that's a huge deal. That is, is a huge, huge deal. deal. Scott Bedke is basically a liberal and, and uh, you've got these two guys. Moyle is probably the more conservative of the two and, and they'll be speaker. That's he wields a great deal of power. And so, yeah. Cool. So, so, so the house <laughs> arguably ends up in a slightly more conservative position, yeah. not by a lot, Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe just incrementally. But it's still, yeah, it's hard because when we talk about these elections, I, the, my description is, and I warned people ahead of time, I should have said so more clearly, maybe publicly, but when I talked to individuals, I would say, listen, I know it's going to happen. On election night, people that you love are going to lose, and it's going to be very sad. Absolutely. And you're going to look at that and go, oh, my gosh, the sky is falling. It's terrible. If things play out well, more conservatives win than conservatives lose. And that's what you're looking for. And it's very hard today now that that's over with. Because I remember we did this in 2020. Mm -hmm. um, and everybody said, oh, my gosh, we lost Brian Zollinger. And, yeah, that was terrible. It was terrible. We, but... we did. But we had picked up the most conservative House representatives that the state had ever seen in yep. the state's history. Absolutely. Which was pretty remarkable yep. and worth celebrating. But it's always you kind of gravitate towards that race that you lost and yep. you, you focus on that. Um, but <laughs> but you, yeah. you're doing this while, you know, you're celebrating this fact while the bodies of your friends are on the ground bleeding out. And so that makes it really difficult. Oh, that it, imagery it, is great. Fantastic. <laughs> but, but, but you have to understand that every election it, it's, that's the way it always is going to yeah. be. Okay. So now, 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 we now talk about the, here we go. I am what's so excited. the, what's the takeaway from the Senate? The takeaway is that um, if he remains Senate pro tem, which I don't think he will, Chuck Winder is, he's the worst. He's going to have the worst time next year. Oh, my goodness. Do you, the, think, do you think he stays pro -tick? No way. No, not a chance. Um, the reason is, and here's the big takeaway for everybody who, who is so worried about election night, the Senate is way more conservative, way more. No matter what happens in November. Describe what way more oh means. Oh, my gosh. How, uh, let's, let's go for this. We were working, our, our uh, government affairs guy, Fred Birnbaum, who is a great guy, was working with Christy Zitto. 
earlier this year on a an amendment to an income tax bill she wanted to add grocery tax repeal we were so hard up for conservatives that we had to go and talk to the democrats to get a second in the senate for her amendment to be heard for her motion for her motion on the senate floor we couldn't find another conservative in the entire caucus who had the guts and the fortitude to stand up now we have at least 12 if not 13 or 14 depending on what happens in uh, general in the general election i mean you could have actually you could have as many as 15 did i do you the math, might right? so you I mean, might so you got Let, let's go through a few of these let's okay. go through so so um scott herndon scott herndon scott oh my goodness yeah. what a huge race that was jim woodward was i mean he he had a business up there he was he did business with everybody and their dog um you know he was in the navy was he navy or air force anyway he was in the military uh but he had a he was the continuation of Sean Keogh in probably worse in some ways. Um, he was on his way up. He wanted to, to, you know, be a chairman, but um, his career is over. That, that's awesome. And Scott, Scott is going to be a fireball. In I think he'll make a really good He's going to be really good. That and race he, is over. There's no general election. No general election. Um, in District 2, oh, oh, man, Phil Hart is back. Phil Hart. Phil Hart is Phil, back. Phil, Phil was one of the he's he's an og top rated oh, freedom index yep. guy yep he was he was a freedom indexy before it was cool to be freedom indexy um in district three you've got uh doug o can't say his last name but uh, thank you thank you you can say it i can that's why you're the boss um he's he's solid he may not be as, as outspoken as others but he had an i think a 93 percent on the freedom index this year fantastic yep. um <laughs> district four uh that's uh, peter riggs and no uh, that's uh, that was five who's that four five? four is oof. you got somebody good there it's um oh no that's um taves Paul, taves, taves. 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 Right. yeah uh oh my goodness we dodged he's still a bullet a, he still is a general i think he does but yeah. uh tara malik will not be serving in the in the senate which is good for everybody uh five is um bjork which is fantastic yep. carl yeah six so six is one of the races to watch this this fall you've got dan foreman against david nelson that's with redistricting we've got to look into it and see what the what the odds are on that race but foreman's been there before he knows how to win foreman is a is, he a, is awesome he's a feisty guy yeah. we talk about a fireball and oh, he, yeah. he tells it like it is he's not interested in, in making you know new friends nope. and, and trying to you know curry favor with folks he just wants to be an honest broker of information and a conservative legislator and yep. you saw that from him in uh in his tenure in the in the senate he was pretty impressive i uh, a lot of uh people in the media didn't love it but i loved it when he threw the planned parenthood activist out of his office yeah. for putting condoms on his desk he was just like get the hell out of here yeah. that was fantastic it's pretty amazing you need, yeah. you need a person who's willing to call a spade a spade yeah. like that now seven. Oh, seven. district seven. Oh, seven. this was this was probably my favorite one maybe besides 13. carl crowdry will no longer serve in the senate and um he was he was i mean we wayne and i share messages back and forth after these things and uh there was a lewiston tribune article that uh, he was just saying oh well iff's disinformation campaign you know made people doubt who i really am it's like or we just told the truth about your record yeah, carl I mean, th this is the thing that's that that's very frustrating and i mean i appreciate um melissa wintrow yeah because at least melissa yeah she's a liberal democrat Absolutely. and she doesn't care and she's not gonna lie she's not gonna try to pretend to be something she's not 
And with Carl, the frustration was, is he would go back to his district and he'd say, I'm fighting critical race theory. I'm going to make sure that we do something about what's going on in our colleges and universities or whatever. And all he was doing was orchestrating this, um, this uh, magic act where, yeah. you know, we're supposed mm -hmm. to keep an eye on the pretty girl and not focus on the sleight of hand that's yep. taking place. Absolutely. And the sleight of hand was he was figuring out ways to make sure that the colleges and universities remain whole, that mm -hmm. they didn't have a dent in their budget because of the social justice stuff that they were doing. We're going to cut $400,000 from your budget. Oh, Oh gosh, please no. But we're going to give you 30 million in federal funds yeah. over oh, here. Don't my. don't. This this don't. is I guess uh, we'll just suck it up and do the best we can with that <laughs> week. And that was a thing that was really frustrating and like the the critical uh race theory legislation mm -hmm. which doesn't ban critical race theory. It the does media, next to nothing. Almost nothing. And right. Carl was like, "I fought against critical race theory. You know, I got my bill my name on a bill." That was the thing that was very frustrating. He would go, and I. the thing that set me off was when I was at the um, Idaho County Lincoln Day. I've heard this story so many yeah, times. I, this is, I, told it to, <laughs> I, I was at, I, this is 2021, I'm at Idaho. Now we're in the right. middle of this fight on social justice, critical race theory and all these things. Yep. And, you know, are they gonna fund, fully fund the colleges and universities? And Carl is on the Senate Education Committee and he's on the Budget Committee. Yep. Those are his two committee assignments. Pretty and big, pretty big deal. Pretty actually. big deal. Yeah. And he gets up in front of the Lincoln Day <laughs> and he starts talking about how terrible it is that Mike Simpson wants to breach the dams. And great, you know, I'm wonderful. I'm glad you agree with us that this thing that Mike Simpson's <laughs> doing is awful. Right. But what was weird about it is that he never mentioned anything about the legislation that he was working on. Nothing about these committees and the assignments and these issues that were coming up. Right. And so people were coming up to me and going, gosh, he sounds really conservative, but you're saying he's not. And it so happens I had a column that I had written about oh, yes. his performance and people were reading that and they're going, my gosh, this guy's just being disingenuous. Yep. And that's the thing that I think people walked away with is they understand. Now, when, you can get people in a legislative district to understand the nuances mm -hmm. like that. They really had to push and fight and dig deep in Idaho County and District 7 yep. to understand what was really going on there, and they figured it out. Yeah, I think this was, Wayne and I have always said that, you know, it's not enough to be, if you want to call yourself a conservative, you have to to vote for more than, you know, babies, killing wolves and guns. You have to vote for less spending. You have to make those hard votes that Ron Nathan votes. And this, I think, election, this certain contest was that more than any else. Carl had the big votes on his record, but when it came to the little stuff, the regulations, the spending, he fell flat on his face. And um it cost him and uh, it's going to keep costing people if they keep trying this stuff because voters are wising up. They're, Sorry. they're starting to understand that it's more than those issues because anybody can say it. We saw Chuck Winder say that all the time, you know, he would say, I don't know why people are criticizing me for not being conservative. I vote pro-life. I vote for the second yep. amendment and I vote to cut taxes. So I've checked all the boxes. <laughs> yeah. It's not enough. It's not, it's not. 
Oh, that's a wonderful one. And it's it's funny. It's just it's deeply funny to me simply because a couple of weeks before the election, uh, Carl was in Adams County. Yeah, saw the video. Yep. Yep. He was he was in the stage or on the stage in front of the, the Adams County Republicans. And he said, you know, when I win, I will be, uh, you know, because uh, the three more conservative senators, uh, Christy Zitto, Steve Vick and Regina Bayer, they're all retiring. So I will be the most conservative senator on the Idaho Freedom Index. What he failed to mention is that he got like a D minus. Which he, he basically used the uh, Sherry Ibarra mechanism for gauging <laughs> yeah. success. So maybe, maybe they campaign or uh, they they strategize that yeah, together. Here's our message. Yeah, he was uh, he was what Raul uh, Labrador said in the debate against Walt Minnick in 2000. What was that? 2010. He was the least ugly guy at fat camp or the the least ugly guy at the the high school dance. Right. right he right. really was. Yeah. And uh, no no more though. No more. <laughs> yes. Not 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 even close. Oh, that, man. That, was, that was really good. But you know the other one that really. I was excited about was Jeff Hagenbrod. Oh, let's talk about Jeff Hagenbrod. Same kind of deal. Yep. You know, he goes around, he says, I'm a conservative. Yep. I believe in, you know, babies and guns and, uh, you know, low taxes. And, you know, people again in Canyon County had to see through that. They had to understand what was really going on there. Fully funding the social justice programs yep. at Boise State and University of Idaho. Um Fully funding all, never taking it. He's, he's the co-chairman of the budget committee, and they've done nothing to rein in Medicaid, which yep. is now the largest program Massive. in all of state government and yep. never, ever going to be anything but the largest program because no one is pushing to do something about it when he has the ability to do something yep. about it. Yeah, I think Brian Lenny ran a really good race. He was really effective on messaging um, and telling the truth about people. And, and I think it was really interesting there because as we we said with the Crabtree race, like oftentimes these races don't get into the, the deep nuances of, you know, what we should be doing in the budget committee, et cetera, et cetera. Brian got there and he won with that message that, hey, this these deeper issues other than, you know, pro-life and guns and stuff. We need to talk about these and Jeff's failing on those. And yeah. he he won on that one. It was fantastic. Yeah. I I couldn't be happier with that one. I, I didn't expect that one to go that way. I, I didn't see that one turning out that way, but uh, I'm glad it did. And and um uh Jim Patrick too, same oh. same kind of deal. 30 he's gonna request a recount. I've heard that, yeah. I don't know how in the world you think you can overturn 37 votes with a recount. Not gonna happen, but uh his forecasting as good as his legislating but um but the same issue there it, yeah and that's interesting too wouldn't you say because in twin falls county i don't think we've ever been able to penetrate that county i cannot think of a single lawmaker from the magic valley that has had over like a 75 on the freedom index ever can you think of anybody no, I, I, I mean i can't well, there's um, Lance Clow. Oh, wait, no. No. <laughs> there's um, <laughs> no. Uh, Maxine Bell. Oh, wait, no. no. Uh, Scott Bedke? No. no. Fred, Fred Wood? Wood? No. <laughs> no. We, no. Magic we, Valley has been a very, very finally. difficult place to. to and uh, Glenita Zitterveld is, um, a, uh, has been a fine candidate. Absolutely. And she's always espoused the virtues of liberty and um, so it was very exciting to see her pull it off. She worked yeah. really hard. And this is, I think, for those out there who are watching who may have been in contests or whatever um glenita is really a testament to what can happen if you stay active and you learn um i think she would tell you that her first campaign for the idaho house was not great not fantastic not great she came in third place um, behind lori likely some other ranch guy and, and her right 
Um, and this time she came out, she worked her butt off. My favorite thing was she had this big, did you see her truck? She had this big like 50s era truck, this Ford truck with this big Zuderveld sign in the back. And she just drove around on election day and it was fantastic. Just wow. like the Moonmobile, right? Yeah. Um, and she worked her butt off and um, and she's really educated herself on the issues. And, and uh, Patrick, I just, I don't think he saw it coming. I thought, I don't think he took her seriously. And, and um, she was well-spoken and well-researched. She knew her stuff. And um, to have a Liberty candidate, a Liberty lawmaker down in, in the Magic Valley Huge. is massive. And, so so yeah. what, what does this look like, though, at the end of the day? Because you do have some leftist Republicans mm -hmm. coming over. Lori Likely is going to be in the Senate. Maybe. Uh, Maybe. Oh, is, she has a Democrat opponent who's a you, firefighter from, you, like, catch him. You, do you think she she's has a chance of um, I think it's 50 50. Mm. I mean that's a that's a tough district for her interesting even though Senate you know all but endorsed her that's still you know that's a Democrat stronghold versus and and now it's it's the Democrat stronghold with Jerome so which area is going to win out there I don't know you know it's funny because I was just talking to Tom Luna about this um earlier today okay about the um the Republicans who are running with the notion that the republican party platform means something and Weird. and those who don't yes because my contention has always been i'm okay with having fewer republicans if the republicans that don't win yep you know are, act like are, democrats aren't, aren't, yeah i mean what, what do you miss for that yeah you know you have a platform for a reason and people think that you're a republican for a reason i, I don't know it's just like well, would i miss lori likely if she doesn't get elected well if you look at the math a loss for lori likely helps the conservatives in the senate mm. and it doesn't really give the democrats more power that you'd give them what eight seats or seven seats still who cares like they still don't do anything speaking of that people who don't adhere to the gop platform we missed one we missed a big one uh fred martin is gone oh, fred martin. don't forget right i did forget fred martin <laughs> the guy who can't adhere to the republican platform ever for any reason uh was defeated by cody galloway now that's an interesting one rick just is the democrat in 15 and that that district is clearly purple with if you can elect a guy like steve birch um cody's gonna have a, a heck of a time there it'll be a fun contest that mm -hmm. one's gonna be very interesting do you think though that's gonna cause her to just end up being more like fred martin mm -hmm. i ask because mm -hmm. if you remember from that district there was a guy named lynn luker oh yes i love lynn and lynn was very conservative when yep. he first got in and then he got into committee chairmanship and his ranking and in the index started going down right and the argument was, well, it's a tough district. I've got to win that district. What do you think happens in the long term? <sighs> Unfortunately, I, I think that you're right. I think she will eventually bend to Fred Martin's ways. I mean, she's not Ron Nate. Ron Nate would, you know, if you could elect a Ron Nate there, um, you know, he would, you know, <laughs> go in and do his Ron Nate thing and stay strong. I don't know that Cody has the spine and the courage to do that because of the political realities that she sees. Um, but again, a Cody Galloway law still helps the conservatives in the Senate. So I don't, I don't know. It, it's uh, interesting to see. And there's also um, in 29 district 29 is going to be a toss up this year. Thanks to redistricting and, and David Worley jr. Um, he got into the runoff with the, uh, the Pocatello, was it Pocatello mayor, Chavik mayor? Anyway, yes. Pocatello. Yeah. And uh, he has good name ID. He knows how to run a run, excuse me. He knows how to run a campaign and, uh, Rupti's, you know, he's he's a known entity over there, but uh, that'll be a good one. That'll be a you know, really good one. It, isn't it interesting how really 
redistricting the maps were designed to kill us to kill off the yeah. the, the conservatives yep. and the opposite is happened. isn't that interesting <laughs> bart davis you failed uh completely and magnificently you just, you just they just didn't get it they, <laughs> yeah. they, they okay they they took out ron nade and Kerry Hanks and Chad Christensen and in an, in an Bush. off election year, by the yeah, way, in yeah. an off year, in yeah. a different year, this would be next year if they or two years when they come back, like it's probably going to be the, the exact totally opposite. Yeah. I mean, and that's what Kerry's been doing too, which is win one, lose one, win one, lose one. Yep. Uh, same thing as Ron Nate. So, um, okay, cool. You you took out a few all stars for two years. Cool, great, fantastic. But the Senate, <laughs> the Senate is is a, a completely different body now. Yep. So totally, yeah, good stuff. It's going to be really interesting to watch, but I think that's the that's the takeaway. Is I mean, I thought maybe you know at the end of the day in the Senate, maybe six pickups. I was hoping I was hoping for three. Really, I was I really was, and like having having worked on these with with different packs um, and different groups with IFA and stuff, I was hoping for either. Woodward or Crabtree. I didn't think I'd get them get both. both. And yeah. I didn't think that, I mean, I didn't see Brian Lee. I mean, he ran a great campaign, but I just, you know, Agenbrod. Yeah. And, and he, same thing with Patrick. Like, I did not see that coming. And, you know, what's fascinating about that, too, is that, um, you know, I I wasn't sure. I, and I really thought, you know, I don't want to agonize over this over election. So I'm going to tell you my secret recipe for dealing with election. Oh, no. Sleep? Which is, yeah. I looked at the early <laughs> primary results. I was like, 9 30 10 o'clock and the results weren't coming in you know that impressively and so i thought you know all right looks like we're we're gonna have some issues in the statewide race it's gonna be forever before i know what happens to legislative races so i went to bed oh my gosh and i got up about 4 35 o'clock and looked at the results and i thought wow what a what a change the night can make <laughs> and it really was going yeah. to sleep and and then waking up and seeing a totally different mm -hmm state senate yeah and it gave me a lot of hope and it validated what i was telling uh one of our donors because he said well, what do you think is going to happen election night and i said you know i have this sneaky suspicion that things are going to go really well and my justification for that was the web data that i saw from our website right. i remembered in 2020 there was this huge spike of traffic right and a lot of it was folks were staying home and everybody was, was voting by mail and so it was a different kind of environment but there was again this really huge spike in traffic um march april and into and then it kind of dropped off and he thought well maybe maybe people have informed themselves and they know yeah what they're getting and by golly it sure felt like that yeah absolutely and i'll say um you know we sent out oh, what was the number 9,000 copies of the freedom index, which yeah. is something we'd never done before. And we were printing around the clock, but people were desperate. They wanted to know they this, to know. that that was a silver lining again of the pandemic was so many people saw what government could do to them. They could yeah. give you a ticket for, you know, holding a yard sale. They could arrest you for playing at a playground. And a lot of people said, Hey, I want to know what the hell's going on. And I want to know who's doing this to me. And so, People got active, and like I said, we sent out boxes and boxes of Freedom Index. People were really interested in their their incumbents' uh, records, and um, it, it uh, like I said, it turned out really well. Um, there is one ball that I have to spike before we end the show, um, and just to say that Greg Cheney will never ever serve in the Idaho Senate. Well, I can't say never ever, never but, ever, but, but Greg but, Cheney will not be an Idaho senator uh, for the next uh, two and a half years. Um, that was a that was a fantastic race. Um, he he became the anti IFF voice. And the anti-conservatism voice yeah it was really, really in the house it was really disappointing to see that happen yeah. because there was a time when he 
flirted with being on the side of the conservatives. And there was a year, you'll see it if you go back and look at his history, he was scoring in the 90% area in the Freedom Index. That was 2018. If was I it 2018? Yeah, because there was, it was an election year and he, he toyed with yeah. running and for then, Congress. And, and then and then, uh, then he was not. Yeah. And, and not only that, but there was a certain level of vitriol that he started pushing out and not from us because it was, it was just directed at our friends. Yeah. And, um, and, the in fact, and the I and... had him on the program and I said, well, who are these right wing extremists that you keep referring to? Are we right, right wing extremists? Oh no, you guys aren't right wing extremists. I'm talking about some of the folks that who may align your, themselves right. with you. Oh, okay. That's interesting. And then he was specifically calling out us. Yeah. By name. Yep. And that was a really sad direction for him and a completely unnecessary direction for, for him. He didn't have to do that. And, and not a winning direction, and by not, the way. Let's, let's point that out. Yeah. So, yeah, there, I guess there's that. And, of course, for me, it's um, it's all about um, Chuck Winder, you know, who um, I was looking up. There's this um, – <laughs> I can't remember the name of the profession, but there used to be these people who, when you traveled around on horseback mm -hmm. from town to town, their job was to manage the horses at the inn where you parked your horse. Okay. And I thought to myself, I bet you at this point, Chuck Winder couldn't even get that job. <laughs> and the reason why that's special to me is this is the guy who for no reason whatsoever yeah. attacked us as he put it being the greatest threat to democracy. Yeah. So <laughs> now he didn't yeah. he he won his senate race but you know he's the pro tem of the state senate he didn't win by a tremendous amount mm -hmm. and there are enough new votes in the state senate that it would shock me to see him be the pro tem again absolutely i think um and looking forward things are going to change because of this and and um policies for so long i, th I think that's the one thing that was really cool is for the last two years, conservatives have been really frustrated by the Idaho Senate. It is the flaming dumpster fire, or it has been the flaming dumpster fire of Idaho government where, you know, uh, any good conservative bill goes to die there and they they do it all the time. Um, and so conservatives really rallied around the idea of having a conservative Senate and we're almost there. So, I mean, that was cool. I mean, Tammy Nichols came out on top and uh, there, are there are two conservatives that... Um, there, there are two districts that will be conservative in 2024 with the right uh, right planning and stuff. And uh, um, it's it's going to be a different place this for a is, long time. This, this is potentially the most conservative state legislature, regardless of the general election. You don't oh, even yeah. have to have a general election now. Oh, yeah. Because you now have the most conservative in modern history. Because oh, yeah. the one thing I don't know, there was a time when historically the state Senate was more conservative than the House. Oh, wow. And that, that goes back before the one man, one vote, when you had one senator per county. Ah, interesting. And so you're talking the 1950s-ish. But even then, right. looking at the legislation that passed, wasn't extraordinarily conservative, right. but certainly more conservative than the House at any given time. Because don't forget, we the legislature has historically been expanding government with the rise of the welfare state going back to the 1930s, the imposition of the progressive income tax with which the Republican legislature kept in place, right. uh, property taxes, the uh, sales tax in the 1960s, um, all these different things that this legislature has been doing um, for a very, very long time. It's arguable that the legislature, the 2023 session, 
will never have been this conservative. Absolutely. And I think that's amazing. Yeah. And, and it's really, uh, if things fall the way of conservatives um, later this fall, I mean, it could be, it could be a clean sweep. Think about this. Democrats don't have a big name of the top of the ticket this year. No, they, they're, no. their There's guy. No, there's a reason I, for them to go out. Yeah. I have no idea who their nominee is. I, I can't even tell you his name. Um, Rog Rogstad, however you say that guy, the he's, mayor. He's the mayor of uh, Sandpoint. Of Sandpoint, right? he failed on his writing campaign, and then some random guy got all the votes. Yeah. So um, the only thing that might get people out to vote, Democrats out to vote this fall, is um, the education initiative. But we'll see if that gets enough signatures. But if they don't, then Democrats have no reason to vote this fall. None, zero. And not even in the uh, congressional elections. Yeah, no, nothing. There is. Would nothing you to say get them would, out. would they come out for the attorney general? No. Raul's going to trounce. He's going to he's going to roll. Completely going to roll. Yeah. I mean, it's done deal at this point. Um, so you know, if you're David Worley or Dan Foreman uh, or Cody Galloway, you've got you got to work your butt off, but you got to be pretty excited about what could what could happen this fall. And yeah. If you're Chuck Winder, you got to be <laughs> a little nervous. So the bottom line: don't lose heart. <laughs> Honestly, and I've been in Idaho politics uh, for almost thirty years. Um, I have never seen conservatives do this well. I mean, and it's kind of weird because you know this, and then you read these headlines from Jim Jones, you know, the Freedom Foundation Park is worse than its fight. Okay. I mean, everybody cool. knows the truth. And I had so many emails and phone calls and text messages from people who work in the Capitol, and they know what's going on, and they realize that this was the year we're not, you know, Freedom Foundation is not, itself involved in elections but it was it was a year for people aligned with our organization yep. with our ideas yep. and it's no longer about the establishment and the organizations that surround them the iaki's and the idaho business for education folks this was about conservatives and they really carried the day it, it may be hard to recognize that when you're looking at the statewide races and you only see one person out of that slate, or you see the four people that we love in the house that lost, the man, the newcomers in the house, plus the dozen or more people in the state <laughs> yeah. Senate. Yep. It's, yep. It was an amazing yeah. election for those folks. And I think I think one final note, and this, this isn't about the races necessarily, but I really want to give a shout out. I have a hunch that a lot of the new Idahoans are responsible for a lot of this. Oh, the, yeah. the people who they worked it. I oh mean, my they're gosh. the ones basically I say, you know, those folks at the Freedom Foundation were ammo suppliers. We make ammo. And yes. it's your job to take the ammo and go out and shoot things. And people knew it was going on. They understood yeah. the records and reputations of their incumbent legislators. And they used that to tremendous advantage. Uh, Canyon County. Oh, Canyon County killed it. Canyon County. Oh, my Co goodness. Kootenai County. Kootenai County Falls County. Yeah. Um, the Magic Valley Liberty Alliance they, really did it. Those yeah. folks got out yeah. and, and um, they did the hard work. Yeah. They did the research and then they used the research to, to, make things happen and well, that was extraordinary and especially like i said going back to my point which was it's the cal the ex-californians a lot of them i mean whether it's kirsten lucas or amy henry or even the people up in Coeur d'Alene, a lot of people you know we we hear californians get a bad rap because they drive this or whatever or they're liberals or whatever that's not the case there there are so many new california or new idahoans who are here from washington or oregon 
or California, I, and I know this because I drive them in Uber. <laughs> That's my life. Um, but they they are so energized because they know what it's like to lose a state. Yeah. And they, they, I have a hunch, and we're going to do the research. I have a hunch that they really help push some of these races over I, the top. I think so too. And it's proving, really cool to see. Proving the uh, new theory of the blind cave fish, which I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? So there was a theory that there are these cave fish. They live in deep, dark underground caves. And when scientists first encountered them, they said, oh my gosh, these, these fish have eyeballs, but they can't see. So it must be that the absence of light caused their eyeballs to mature with the inability to see. And then the other scientists came in later and they said, wait a minute, there may be something else happening here. Really what's happened is you have two different species of cave fish. You have the cave fish that are blind. They can't see. They never leave the cave. And then you have the ones whose vision is so acute that they can see a little pinprick of light and they swim toward it and they get out of there. Right. These are the cave fish. They left California. They could see the pinprick of light yep. and they followed it to a better state. Some of them went to Oklahoma. Some of them went to Texas. Some of them went to, went to Florida, but many of them came to Idaho. Yep. Many of them, even more so throughout the first congressional district, they've been on this diaspora for almost 25 years now. I remember this in the late nineties when the first set came in. And they were very conservative and they made the district, the first congressional district, even more conservative. Yeah. Coeur d'Alene politically, you wouldn't recognize today from even oh, yeah. 25 years Absolutely. ago. Absolutely. Very different place. They elected people like George Saylor, you know, and, <laughs> and, 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 and they elected. Oh man. Consistently leftist Republicans after the Democrats were all defeated. Um, these people came, they saw the light and they came to Idaho and they're actually making Idaho's political system a better yeah. environment. Yeah. God bless them. Yeah, hats off to everybody hats who worked really truly, hard. Truly, truly, it's uh, not all us. So we got a lot of credit yeah. for the for the work. You know, the research that our team does and 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 have provided to people. But really, it's the boots on the ground, the folks yeah. that said, you know what. And the other really cool thing about this, Dustin, is typically in an election year. All you hear about, even in the middle of an, a legislative cycle where there's no one on the ballot except for statewide offices and legislators, no presidential election, you know, maybe your random uh, uh, U.S. Senate race that, that people aren't really paying much attention to. It's always about the presidency. It's always about yep. whoever it is, Obama, Biden, Trump, yep. whatever. And this year, as people got out and they voted, they weren't talking about that. Yep. They were talking about their local legislators brilliant. brilliant and it was it was a real change yeah, it really was it really was and uh and, and for those asking that we we were going to take questions but uh i'll take just one thing that i've heard over and over we are working to figure out how to rate the judges we don't know how to do that yet that's a project that we, we're we get asked we get asked that a dozen times a day during the heat of the election we are working on something like that um because that's a big problem i got hundreds of phone calls about that and yeah. uh, we're working on it but uh, trust, good election trust me it'll be wonderful uh, we take this one step at a time and really be mindful of this consider where we've come from in a very very short amount of time dustin and i incidentally were both working for a member of congress who lost re-election <laughs> yep. in 2008 yep. and um we thought that the conservative at least i did i don't know if i told you this but i i was convinced at that point the conservative movement was going to be set back 20 years right and it really hasn't. It, it's actually, it's it's actually gone the other direction. Absolutely. And it's not just 
us. I think the Freedom Foundation deserves a lot of credit for it, but uh, certainly other organizations, mm -hmm. other uh, groups of individuals, other candidates, the, the, the stellarness, the caliber of a candidate's running for the legislature. Oh, yeah. You know, I remember when it was perfectly normal for somebody to run for the legislature and it was all about, well, I don't really have an agenda. You know, I just want to get over I love there. Idaho. Maybe, yeah. I love Idaho. I want to do some good things for my state. I want to give back to my community. And that's a legitimate point of view, I suppose. But it was now the candidates who are running want to save America. Well, and, and to that point, and I heard this less this election than in any other election that I've been a part of and watched. You know, you always hear, well, I'm a fifth generation Idahoan. And, and, and going back to our California thing, Brian Lenny. In District 13, he moved his family from California to Idaho in 2010 because he wanted a safe place to raise his kids. He wanted to flourish. He didn't want to pay the, the blue state taxes. And that never came up in his race. Never. I mean, the, I think the Idaho Press Tribune, it was, uh, they brought it up one time, but it was about ideas. It was about saving That's the true. state. It wasn't about my heritage. It wasn't about my love for you know this or that. It wasn't about that. It was all about ideas and how we legislate better so that we can keep the state that we love. And by golly, he Be did it. Because the state that you love is a key to saving America. Yeah. If you can't get a Republican-controlled state where people vow that they're conservative to vote in a fashion that is supportive of this notion that government is supposed to be small. Yeah. How can you expect Congress to do that? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You know, we were there when, when Republicans controlled yep. both chambers of the U.S. Congress and controlled the White House, and they still grew government. Yep. They didn't do anything to restrain that. So could it be that with a supermajority House and Senate and executive branch, where everybody's talking about how conservative they are, regardless of political party, couldn't it be that you can expect better of the outcome? You the fact so. is, is that when government grows, families, churches, and charities shrink. Yep. And you've seen that play out even here in Idaho. Yep. And everyone just kind of throws their hands up and says, well, I guess that's the way it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. doesn't have to be that way. And I think that this group of lawmakers is going to try to prove it. And, and, I guess the last call to action, this that that point that Wayne just touched on, it's up to these lawmakers to prove it. Well, it's up to the voters to hold their feet to the fire because some of them could go yeah, wobbly. Absolutely. I mean, you don't know. I mean, we, we're very excited about them for the potential they, that yeah. they have. Some of them come with records, so we know where they are. Um, I remember a legislator. I'm not going to say who uh, who was running. You know, he was a, he was a donor to the Freedom Foundation. And um, he decided to run for the legislature. And I thought, hey, great. One of our guys is going to be in the legislature. And he gets elected. And man, did he vote for big government? We're not going to say the name. I, I, I won't say the name. I think don't, I don't want to give away I've anybody about, who has ever donated to the Freedom Foundation. I think I've got three that I can think of. But but it was <laughs> it was shocking. But that's the sort of thing that happens is yep. they kind of understand the principle, but it's almost like drugs it's like well you know i'm just gonna i don't believe in big government but i'm just gonna take this one hit of this drug <laughs> and maybe i'm not gonna need additional hits later on they're like well maybe just one more time and next thing you a know gateway drug. yeah it's, it's, it really is it's a gateway government it's like okay i guess i will take a hit of the of the hispanic oh commission and, oh then, and then you're addicted and you're like oh okay i guess i've got to do this all the time so i mean it is a work in progress yep. but the thing that we try to tell people is listen 
we believe in the goodness of people. We believe in the ability, the generosity of Idahoans to do yep. the right thing. Wouldn't it be cool if one state did not adhere to the principles of the Communist Manifesto, <laughs> that we didn't adopt all 10 yeah. blanks and we said, wouldn't it? No I mean, kidding. we can do those things here in this state. Yep. And then other states can look and go, oh my gosh, did you hear what Idaho did? They turned off the food stamp program. Well, aren't people going to starve? No, because we believe that our churches are going to step up to the fight. Yep. We believe that families and charities and individuals are going to step in to care for the people who are needy or have needs. Right. And um, we never get a chance to prove that. Yep. And the end result is a society that's detached from itself, where people go into malls and they shoot up the place or into a grocery store. And that's a legitimate concern. Sure. But the public policy solution isn't to ban guns because in places where they ban guns, they run them over with cars or stab folks or dump acid on their enemies. Yep. And um, that's a fate that awaits us if we don't figure out how to do this because we have got to bring communities back together to care about one another again. Yep. It's the only thing that saves America. Absolutely. So as your communications guy, I've got to make a shameless plug for action. Um, two things for you to do. We'd love to have you on the team. Um, go to idofreedom.org slash email. Join our email list. That's how we get uh, Wayne's stuff out to you and other stuff. We're, we're planning a lot of really cool activities this fall. Uh, we're, we're taking Legislature 101 on the road, which I'm really excited about. Um, the other thing is, if you want to volunteer at the grassroots stuff, um, idofreedomaction.org. We have a, a little form there that you can sign up if you want to make telephone calls or stuff envelopes or do whatever. We'd love to have you on the team because this is going to saving our state. You know, we had some really good election wins, but saving our state really takes all of us moving forward. Uh, it takes the research, it takes the activism, it takes, you know, voters who know the truth and who have done their research. So. Uh, make sure you you check out those two sites. And if you ever have any questions, feel free to email us, Dustin at idofreedom.org. Uh, and I can get Wayne any questions that uh, he might need. So um, we're, I'm thrilled. I'm, I'm thrilled. It's, it was a good night. Yeah. Never forget that. And I would be honest with you, if we had a lousy night, things didn't work out, and we were on the ropes, I would tell you that. I've had the displeasure of telling people that in the past, where I had to tell our our um, readers and we didn't have a, a podcast at the time yep. it was back before podcasts really, but um, where I've had to tell our donors or our readers or anybody funny. that, you know, things didn't go well. Uh, this one, uh, this was, as I said before, monumental. Yep. That's the best word I can use. It was monumental. It was game changing. And um, for those who don't think that that's true, um, hold my beer. <laughs> because it was and it was a, a, yeah. a thing to be really really excited and grateful for it was a blessing and you all are thanks for watching and um we'll be sure to give you some more updates and i uh, can't wait to bring you some more exciting news from the bowels of the bees thanks for all you do thanks for watching and we'll talk to you again next time